Welcome to the Novel Discourse Podcast, where we discuss great stories and how they're told. My name is Sam, as always, here with Andy. And Andy, before we get started, I have some news that I wanted to share with you. Do tell. Since we're going to talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is Marvel, I wanted to talk about a... Uh, a, a DC news coming out of the DC universe. Um, kind of related to that. If if I had to ask you, what is the one thing in the news cycle this year that Sam Clark is most obsessed with? What would you guess that that thing is? Hmm. Is it uh, the continued collapse of that one dude that plays the Flash's life? <laughs> yes. It's, a, it's the fact that Ezra Miller keeps getting arrested in Hawaii. <laughs> What is his deal, man? He went off a cliff. He's been going on a day baby uh, level tear of just like, dude. Okay, it's it's so funny. So the news report that came out was that Warner Brothers has said they're not going to replace him from playing the Flash in their upcoming Flash movie, which I'm not going to touch with a ten foot pole on like when studios should or should not take out actors based on what they've done. Like obviously, there's the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing going on, but just Ezra Miller. <laughs> in a vacuum it's so funny there there's definitely a string of issues that this guy's had there is he on his wikipedia page there's six sections and one of them is just called hawaii <laughs> and it's just a paragraph about him getting arrested a bunch in hawaii it's so great dude at this point i halfway expected for like the fulton county district attorney in georgia to be like today we have arrested uh young thug and gunna and also <laughs> ezra miller uh in connection with it's <laughs> yeah. like He's 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 on one right now. Um, it's funny because if you look up Ezra Miller on Google, all of his photos are he he's kind of like a fashionista. He kind of looks like David Bowie. He's always wearing a cool outfit or a flamboyant outfit, and he's wearing makeup and all the stuff. And he has this very serious posh look on his face. So you'd think he would be this like elevated figure that's very like controlled and elegant, if you will. But he's just constantly. Allegedly throwing chairs at people at karaoke bars in Hawaii and cussing people out. It is it is like if like Timothy Chalamet was like a soccer hooligan. It's like a very strange <laughs> yeah. dichotomy being created by his behavior compared to his look. Did you pick out any one of these lines from his Wikipedia and it's it's unintentional hilarity? Listen just listen to this one line out of context. It says, on January twenty seventh, twenty twenty two Miller posted a video on Instagram that seemed to threaten members of the Ku Klux Klan operating in Bellevue, North Carolina. In response, the Southern Poverty Law Center reported that there was no knowledge of recent Klan activity in Bellevue, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Shout out to the uh, the SPLC for you know keeping it all the way funky on out. where and where not the the Klan is. It's, he's just he's always up to something he's he's doing all sorts of side quests but not the cool side quests that Shaq is doing the side quests that like if you're playing knights of the old republic these are the side quests that make you more of a sith than a jedi <laughs> just, yeah oh for sure for um, sure speaking of the of just the corruption of the human soul let's get into dr strange and uh, wanda maximoff's corruption if you will did you like that transition? Yeah, man, I do. Uh, I saw a lot of people pretty up in arms about the the quote-unquote ruining of Wanda yeah. in this piece of, of Marvel lore. Yeah, and and we should say this because this movie just did come out. If you've never heard our podcast and are new, um, first of all, like and subscribe. We greatly appreciate that. But also, this is not a spoiler-free discussion. We, we will talk about the writing and what they did well and maybe what they didn't do well. So this... We are going to be getting into the nitty-gritty of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We are very much going to go into spoilers. You have been warned. So, Andy, what what are your initial thoughts after after coming out of the movie theater? In some ways, I, I think I'm, like, ill-equipped for this discussion just because, like, Marvel to me, it, it's like it all tastes the same. You know what I mean? Like, I the gap between the best Marvel movie and the worst Marvel movie, I will, well, I haven't seen, like, The Eternals. So, like, if that people think great. that's the worst, yeah. then... I don't know, but the ones that I think are like really good and ones that I think are like not as good, the grit, the the gap between them is maybe like, you know, one's a six and a half or a seven and one's like an eight or an eight and a half. They tend to just be like totally satisfactory. You know what I mean? Like nothing I'm going to write home about or like, oh my gosh, you have to see X, Y, and Z, but they're totally fine popcorn flicks. And at this point, Marvel has a, just a machine, right? They... They tend to follow a formula. They have almost canned dialogue, and uh, I, it's totally enjoyable in that in that 
vein. Um, I do love Doctor Strange maybe the most of the Marvel Universe just yeah. because, like, the visuals are super trippy. It deals with, like, a different, you know, strain of Marvel fantasy and that it's, like, more about, like, magic and dimensional travel and, like, kind of heady concepts like that rather than just kind of, like, aliens technology, and yeah. shit like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when it came to this, I, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I think my favorite part was definitely kind of the, from a, as a person who's read a lot of the comics, like the 616 versus 838 Earth stuff I thought was really yeah, cool. Yeah. I loved all the weird parallels between the two. The Illuminati was super awesome. Jim from The Office showing up as Mr. Fantastic that was, was so cool. super, super dope. Love that. Charles Xavier. Oh, man, the only thing I will say right off the bat, my boy was looking frail, dude. He was. Charles Xavier was looking just, he's just getting so old. And I know, I mean, he looked old on Star Trek The Next Generation in 1995. So, like, it makes a lot of sense. I was just like, it was, this is the first time I've seen him on screen where I noticed. I was just like, damn, it's good he's in this wheelchair. Because, like, I don't think he can move very well at this point. But Yeah, 100%. Um, agree. Like I said, I did see a lot of people that seemed to be very upset about the depiction of Wanda and where they took her character. I just never gave a shit about Scarlet Witch. Like, I was not wed to that character at all. So, like, her, their decision to, like, make her go full evil in this movie and, like, do a lot of wild shit was totally fine by me. Like, that didn't, that wasn't, like, the sacrificing of a major character that was close to my heart. So, I was cool with it. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I definitely enjoy where it's going. You know, we're, we're going into, like, the, the Dark Dimension line of the comics, which is really, really cool yeah. from a comic standpoint. So I'm stoked. I'm going to start by talking about Wanda Maximoff and my original thoughts. When this movie got about 20 minutes in, into it, and it's starting to establish that Wanda is corrupted and she's going to essentially be the major villain, unless there's some major plot twist, which there wasn't. Wanda ended up being the main villain throughout the entire story. I did think... It came out of left field. When I was watching the film, I had not watched WandaVision, the show that came out on Disney+. And as I was watching yeah, this movie... I, didn't, I only made it through like two episodes of that. Same. So. The first two episodes relied relied very heavily on your like you trusting them. Like, oh, this is a Marvel show, so you're going to finish it. You're going to keep watching it. And uh, yeah. So I also quit after the first two episodes. The first two episodes of WandaVision were not very good. They they don't really give you any promises that they're going to follow up on anything. It just was very boring and dull. And eventually it gets good. I know that because I went back and watched it. When I was watching Doctor Strange, I did not understand where this evil corrupted Wanda came from. So again, I said, this must have come from WandaVision. So I went back and watched WandaVision and... Nope, didn't come from there either. <laughs> if, if, if you wa- <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. If, if you watch WandaVision... The show, I'm going to take a quick aside and talk about this for a second. WandaVision shows that after Vision's death, Wanda goes to, and I guess I'm going to spoil this. So if you haven't seen WandaVision, you want to watch that, skip ahead five minutes. But um, WandaVision shows how after Vision's death, Wanda goes to this, I'm I'm saying it out of order because it goes back and shows you actually how it all started. But she goes to this plot of land that Vision purchased for them to start a family together and then he ends up dying in the events of infinity war and whatnot so she comes back and has this moment of grief and it's just the most annoying and dumb magic trope where this character with unimaginable powers just loses their shit and goes bah and then like magic flies everywhere and then this unforeseen power happens and that's how she she takes over this the, the minds of this village or this town and from there creates this fictional life where where vision's still alive she has kids and she learns this story throughout the story of um, wandavision that like she needs to let go of the past and she needs to let go of her children and that vision's really dead and that hey she still loves vision but like he's gone and all that well that's all good and fine but then wandavision the show ends with a post-credit scene where it shows that wanda has found this book the Darkhold, and she's scrolling through it, and then she gets this vision that somewhere out there are her children. And so, off-screen, she gets corrupted, and then we see her inserted into Doctor Strange. It's just like, the reliance on the post credit scene and then the off-screen stuff to just take this character who had learned a really valuable lesson in WandaVision and then show up in this movie and be completely evil is just, is just bad writing. It's bad writing. It's Am I alone in thinking that, like, we can be done with the post-credit Marvel sequences? Like, at this point, they are just an established part of the film in every single movie now. 
and they're clearly just using them at this point to make you watch their credits, like, because everyone knows there's one in every single movie. It's no longer like a... Because I remember when they first started doing these, like an Iron Man and stuff, yeah. you'd be like, oh, this is really cool. Like, if you wait till after the credits, there's this little extra Easter egg where they introduce a new character or they show you something that's going to happen. At this point, I'm just like, they're, they went from like, hey, just so you know, uh, you know, this guy's going to be in the next movie. Fan service. Or something. To like you said... Yeah, now they're using this to be like, by the way, erase the last 10 episodes of this. Or, you know, like we're on, you know, like we're going to go in this totally different direction. Like they're, man, they're putting like shitloads of weight on those scenes now. Whereas they used to kind of just be like, hey, man, you, you heard a shield from the comics. There's going to be shield next time. And you'd be like, oh, that that's fun, you know? Yeah. And that's no longer the case. And now it's like, hey, if you don't watch this, you're you're going to be totally out of the loop. And can I say something really quick about the corruption trope? I think that sure. no story more famously does corruption is as far as like a magical thing than Lord of the Rings and the Ring, right? Where everybody who gets hold of the Ring over time becomes corrupted by the power and the draw of the Ring. But when you watch and you read Lord of the Rings, that corruption takes place like any sort of corruption power. It takes place over a long period of time, and you see them sort of wither from within, and and it's really this. And it's more of like a personality change over time, not just their mind is taken over, right? And to me, this version of corruption is so lazy where you had this well-established character who is very loving, very caring for her friends, very caring for innocent lives to the point when I think it's the Winter Soldier when, or no, it's I think maybe it's Civil War where Wanda accidentally blows up a building in Africa and she's like bawling, crying that yeah. she killed innocent lives. You go from that to... Literally off screen, she is corrupted to the point where she doesn't care that she's killing innocent lives. And again, going back to the what I consider the poor writing of the film is Wanda's arguments as to her defending why what her actions are in this film in her corrupted state are such bad arguments of like, oh, I I can use like you can use dark magic to stop Thanos, but I can't I can't use bad magic to find my children. That doesn't seem fair. It's like anybody with the brain could easily counter that point. <laughs> Well, yeah, because I was yeah. to save the universe, and yours is to you're you're being selfish, you know. So, it, yeah, I could go on and on about it, but I just thought I I agree with the people that thought that Wanda's characterization just came out of left field and wasn't wasn't well done. That was lame. I saw this other opinion that I like halfway agree with, which is, and this is this is what people said when it happened in the comics. The entire point of the multiverse, from a narrative standpoint, is so that you can do shit with no courage. Like you can kill any character you want. You can. Like, the fight scene where Scarlet Witch is just massacring, like, she kills Captain Marvel, she kills their Doctor, or, you know, Captain America, she kills uh, Mr. Fantastic super fucking easily. Those are things that you want to show because they're shocking, but you want to do them in a safe space where you have total freedom to not have done them. And that's what these pocket universes provide you. Especially when you you make sure to establish that like, it's not like there's a parallel universe. Like there's another universe. There's, this is universe 616. You know what I mean? It's like there's unlimited multiverses outcomes. Yeah, for sure. If you raise your right hand and then put it back down, there's a universe where you don't do that. There's a universe where you do it with your left hand. You know what I mean? Like infinite outcomes. And so in that way, I was kind of like sitting there being like, okay, like you really wanted to have this scene where like the Avengers get their ass kicked. Like, to the point of total decimation, but you don't want to use any of the real Avengers. So we're here in this universe where we've met these people for three seconds and they're all dead almost instantaneously. Yeah. That's, that's fine. I guess I also get it that it is at this point, like 30 movies into this cinematic universe. You can't just drop in day one, right? Like this can't be the first Marvel movie you watch. Yeah. At the same time, I saw from, like, one of the Marvel guys, I guess, that was like, here's what you need to watch for Doctor Strange. <laughs> it's like eight movies, probably. And this is... Dude, it, okay, it's Doctor Strange 1, WandaVision, the fourth episode of Marvel's What If, <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home, and then you need to watch Avengers Infinity War, Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, and then the third episode of the Loki series. So I'm just like, damn, dude, like... Don't get me wrong. I, I get it. You, you can't go see Godfather 3 by itself if you haven't seen Godfather 1 and 2. Man, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, I've seen that horrible movie. And I, I couldn't tell you how it related to this movie at all. I can't like, either. I can't <laughs> either. Yeah. I literally have no idea. So, like, yeah, there's a, there's a degree of just like, okay, man, everything doesn't have to connect to everything. 
we can just continue like some of the major thematic elements and narrative plot lines from the previous movie. I think what I enjoyed the most though was like obviously Doctor Strange is super kick ass. Uh, I went and saw it at Alamo, and they had a little before the movie segment about the dude that is the the finger coach for the entire movie series. Oh. The guy, he's like a dancer that does crib, or cribbing or whatever it's called. So he teaches, like he teaches Benedict Cumberbatch how to do those spells, I guess. He, yeah. The whole, all the, anyone that's going to do the sling ring stuff, he teaches them all the, and he's also a black belt in karate. So he kind of combines those two things to like t- create this style of like, and then they obviously animate all the magic coming out of it. But I, I thought that was super cool. All the mirror universes where like people get stuck in fractals and are like coming out of puddles, all that's super tight. And I did enjoy the alternate Doctor Strange that's like evil as fuck and has been corrupted by the Darkhold. I thought that was cool. So overall, again, just like one of these movies, like every Marvel movie, I'm just like, not a waste of my time. Uh, I probably liked the first Doctor Strange better, TBH, yep. uh, but this was this was totally fine. Is my last thought before we get into the beat by beat stuff, but I thought that yeah. this movie was simultaneously fun as hell, but convoluted and poorly written. And and so when we when we and just like unlimited MacGuffins, dude. Unlimited like I know MacGuffins. Marvel movies are really bad about MacGuffins, yes. like they always have MacGuffins. Like you know, the Avengers is literally like combining the five MacGuffins with the big MacGuffin, yeah. and then <laughs> like that's literally the whole plot. But like this movie is literally all motivated by just like. One character's a living MacGuffin, and they got to find this other MacGuffin to combat the evil person's MacGuffin that she's using to try to get the living MacGuffin with feet. And that's really the whole movie. So it, 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 It's very MacGuffin-heavy. You want to get into the beat-by-beat beat stuff? Because um, I've got... Yeah, let's do it. Scene-by-scene scene scene things I, I thought of that... Yeah, yeah, and just, like, interrupt me whenever we get to what you're, yeah. you want to talk about. All right, so first of all, there's this girl named America Chavez. All right, stop so right there. there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this girl is from an alternate dimension that's, like, Star Trek-level paradise. Like, everyone wears cool Starfleet uniforms. Uh, lesbian couples are walking very nicely through, like, Perfectly manicured gardens. Clearly, we have solved climate change in this alternate reality because everything is mad, flowery, and awesome. Yeah. And then they named their kid America. So, is, I, I mean, I guess there could be an America in their universe, but that seems strange. Yeah. You know what I mean? I. The, could, one could even say it seems Doctor Strange too. Hello. Multiverse of Madness. Oh, I hope they don't say it like that. But I was very weirded out by this at first, and then I read that in the comics. She is from that alternate universe that's dystopian or whatever and is not is nothing like our world. But then after traveling around different worlds and like interacting with our universe and other universes like us, she named herself America. Did you feel like they were using that as like a really cheap gimmick to say things to America? Some of the lines of dialogue, I felt like we're on the edge. I couldn't quite tell. It wasn't that obvious, but I was like, are they doing a little bit of like, don't worry, America, it'll be okay. You know what I mean? Like some talking to America via the character so, of somebody America. Point, yeah, like, somebody pointed out the fact that she was accosting our universe by being like, you guys have to pay for stuff? Because in other universes, you don't have to. Wink, wink. Like, everything's yeah, free. Yeah. You know, and of all that stuff, I think I could I could nitpick some of that stuff, and we'll, we'll I'll nitpick it a little bit further as we get into the, to the film. But I think one of the things that immediately stuck out to me with America Chavez was... She belongs to this universe, again, that's nothing like ours, but then the comic book writers have gone out of their way to say, like, she's the first Latina superhero. If you're from a universe that's nothing like ours, does Latin America exist? Are you Latina? And I'm not, I'm not like, typecasting this, but I'm asking this of the studios. Did you just grab a girl that has slightly darker pigmented skin and say she's latina because if so that's kind of racist yeah, like yeah. that's not really how it works i don't know how they i don't know how they came to that i don't really they we don't get enough information about her universe to like ground that in enough detail if they showed her universe and it was like ours but maybe like a little different you know then you could be like okay she's just from an alternate version of peru or whatever it's a very very easy fix for sure very easy for fix sure. one line like, of dialogue hey she's from a Right, it's, it's, if she's from a universe that's very similar to the Miles Morales universe, where it's like, there is an America, there is a Latin America, and then you could say definitively she's Latin American or whatever, or but you can't do that when she's not from a world that's like our own, that doesn't make any yeah. sense. Um, the other thing I, I guess I'll point out was uh, going into the first scene when it shows America Chavez, and then it shows the Doctor Strange running away from the demon, which we're about to get They're into. They're running away from the uh, villain from Edge of Tomorrow. 
if you've ever seen that with Tom Cruise. Yeah. It's literally like, yeah. and I, I was, I was like, dude, are we having a crossover moment? Like, I literally thought it was that thing. It moves exactly the same way. Like, it, it was the alpha from Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, and the thing that drew me off sides about this is that they yell at each other in Spanish, which is totally fine. But then after that, they exclusively talk to each other in English the rest of the time, as if to just be like Spanish. Hey, that's cool. Well, and then she comes when she, when she gets to our Doctor Strange, she tries to speak Spanish to him, and he doesn't speak Spanish, and that's kind of like a oh, what a, what a quirky difference. Like a joke, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, yeah like you mentioned, uh, we see Doctor Strange and America Chavez, who's a you know this teenage girl. They're in the space between universes. What we come to discover is the space between universes, kind of like this magical. It looks a lot like where Doctor Strange fought uh, Dormammu in the the first Doctor Strange. And they are jumping from platform to platform, doing cool, like, floaty magic things, and they're being pursued by this this demon. And they're trying to get to this glowing item on one platform, and that's told to us that it is the the Book of Vishanti, uh, which will help them defeat this this demon. Doctor Strange says that's the only way we can kill this thing. However, unfortunately, like, it comes down to where, like, the demon is going to, like, break out of whatever spell Doctor Strange has put on it. He doesn't have enough power, and it's going to end up, like, capturing the girl. And this girl possesses some kind of power that Doctor Strange is very scared that the demon will possess. So he makes the difficult choice and begins siphoning her power to himself, which will kill her. And this is, like, a yeah. tremendous... We're, we're Just by just, like, kind of immediate context, we can tell this is a huge betrayal because he's clearly trying to protect her. She trusts him, and he's going to kill her. Unfortunately, he gets straight murked in this moment. He dies, and she has that kind of a Jean Grey Phoenix thing where her she can't control her powers, and she can only access them in moments of, like, tremendous anxiety. Either a demon's fighting you, or, like, there's a bee nearby. You know, one of those two things. <laughs> what a convenient plot device. Like, bro, that that did kind of bother me, because we'll get to that, but, like... In that case, this shit would be happening all the fucking time. Like, if a bee is enough... In fact, I think adults are more scared of bees than most small children because an adult understands the threat, whereas, like, a child might not know what a bee does if they're that young. So, like, I don't know. That whole thing was weird. But she rips open a portal through the multiverse to to our universe, and uh, she goes through it and flies through it she ends up looking for and finding our universe's doctor strange who then takes her to see uh wong who is now the sorcerer supreme can we talk about this for a second how they meet each other so first off it shows doctor strange at a wedding and then it's it's christine's wedding played by rachel mcadams i did like that her husband was like a huge fan i thought that was a nice little like plot decision that he seemed like this the husband did seem like super tight like he's a super jack dude he seems like very upstanding and nice but there is one like fatal flaw in their relationship is that he's like a giant fan of her ex which is so horrible for her yeah. that would suck so bad like if you dated you know luca or like ronaldo and then y'all break up and you're like trying to move past this very difficult relationship you start dating a new guy he's awesome but he's like the biggest luca fan like of all time he wants to watch all his games like that would yeah. suck yeah i i actually like this scene for a few reasons i like how they established this idea that you know hey dr strange was 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 the only way to beat thanos yeah. the outcome that involved you losing the girl that you loved and that obviously played throughout dr strange's story in this film of could he ever get back with christine I thought one of the things that he had to learn was basically just letting go control and then also just reconciling with the past and love lost. And that's kind of something that Wanda has to has to reconcile with. So I thought that was really well set up. Yeah, everyone in this movie is like we, we keep encountering characters where their attempts to undo mistakes of the past via like making a new mistake is, you know, either the driving force of the plot. We see it with the Avengers in the 838 universe where they're like, this whole thing happened. We'll handle this. It blows up in their face. The evil Dr. Strange has done the same thing where he wanted to fix everything. He got the dark hold, et cetera. So yeah, it's a ever present plot element in this movie. Yeah. And the only thing, the last thing I wanted to point out, well, I guess two things, one, him turning the water into wine. Hell is cool party trick and tying Uh, the tie with no hands on when he was getting ready for the wedding. I was like, dude, that'd be so sick just for like daily use. And dude, I gotta say though, as as a when you daydream about like having superpowers, half of the fun is like showing oh, yeah. off that you have superpowers and ultimate flex to be at a wedding party and everybody's watching this monster destroying the city, and you just like your 
pocket cloth turns into the cape so that tight, you use dude. to fly down and like oh so yeah, cool man. Love super that. awesome so great. yeah while they're at this wedding they're in a, they're at like a, a really beautiful church in new york and there's clearly like some kind of disturbance happening a couple blocks away but he can't see it and so he does like he he dives down there's like buses being crushed and shit he does a little spell to like reveal whatever's there and it's this giant like one-eyed octopus creature that is rampaging and it becomes clear that it is pursuing this young teenage girl who we recognize from the opening scene is America Chavez. Doctor Strange and Wong, uh, after some some back and forth, uh, Doctor Strange, pretty tight, tight execution of this monster. He uh, shoves a lamp post, like a light pole, into its eye, and there's a satisfying pop as it comes out of its face. Super so tight. Cool. And America kind of immediately is like, hey, like, I know you. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, bullshit. You know, there's, I don't really believe in the multiverse, blah, blah, blah. So she takes him over to this rooftop and shows him the dead Doctor Strange from the first scene. He's like, damn. Okay, lit. Interesting. So they kind of begin to understand that this girl, un- which her like unique power, that is she can travel between the mul- like multiverse universes, technically at will, but at right now like she can't control the power, so it's kind of rando at the moment. But ultimately, she would be the only known person or entity that can just like travel between universes uh, on a whim, which is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Yeah. And obviously someone is hunting her to get this power from her. What a awesome and convenient plot point that they get into later that of all these universes that exist, she's the only one that exists. Oh, yeah. And they don't really know why. They're just like, oh yeah, I'm the only one that can do this. So yeah. I don't know. Well, whatever. Yeah. So she, uh, so Dr. Strange is like, okay, we got to protect you. We'll, we'll take her to uh commentage. And he's like, you know who could totally help us? Uh, since this is like witchcraft and shit, demons, not really like, you know, Iron Man type shit. There's more of a, a witchcraft thing. I'll go talk to Wanda, because she's a witch. She knows cool witch shit. And so we see Wanda. She's in this beautiful, like, idyllic apple orchard. She's wearing, like, a Patagonia vest. She's really gone, like, full basic white girl in her time since the yeah. conflict. She's got a pumpkin spice latte in one hand and Taylor Swift CD in another. Ugg boots. Yes, absolutely. So Dr. Strange rolls up. He kind of explains the situation. He's like, I got this girl. You know, you should come to Comertage and help us protect her. It gets you back on the lunchbox, you know. And cool, and then she cool goes, uh, why don't you just bring America here and I'll protect her. And in that moment, everyone in our theater was like, how does she know her name? How does she know her name? And then Wanda turns around and is like, you didn't tell me your name, did you? She's like, yes, I'll tell you. The hex was easy. The lying, that's the hard part. And suddenly this idyllic apple orchard turns in, like, all this red cloud goes all, you know, some Scarlet Witch shit. It's like a barren hellscape. Every tree's dead and floating is this book. And he's like, that's the Darkhold. Kind of an issue here. I didn't watch the end of WandaVision, so maybe they did a better job introducing the Darkhold. I found this very jarring. Like, it felt like I was supposed to know what the Darkhold was and what its capabilities were and what the consequences of using it were, which eventually you do figure out. But in this moment, he was like, the Darkhold. And I was just like, okay, well, is that bad? Is, is, are, we, are, we, are we in trouble? Yeah. Um, yeah. By, by the burning hellscape, you use context clues and you're like, yeah, you know it's this evil. This ain't good. Right? The, yeah. This isn't a good thing. I, I don't, again, after watching WandaVision, I think that you know what the Darkhold is, but you wouldn't know that she'd be using yeah. it. Um, and I think this also... This scene kind of encapsulates the idea of, like, is Doctor Strange now an idiot? Because he, he this is one of about four huge miscalculations that Doctor Strange does in this film that he would have never done in the first film. Like, in the first Doctor Strange, he is this really calculated, cold a-hole that's all about himself, that takes huge risks, both, like, in his driving and his in the way he operates and things like that with his surgery. And then in, in, in between... That film and this film, he was uber careful and he was really cautious of helping people. And now he's, they're kind of characterizing him in like as being more selfish and more power hungry and also kind of being an idiot. So it just feels like his characterization of the last few films has been all over the place. And this this film is no worse. He always, as a character, one of his defining features was that he was like more than all the other Avengers was hyper aware of the larger consequences of things like their how decisions made could echo into the universe, the multiverse, you know, the larger balance of light versus dark in the universe, the grand calculus of the of the multiverse. And now he does seem to just be yeah. like, ah, fuck it. Let's give this a shot and see what happens. And that does not play out well. So yeah. 
He returns to Comertage where they're hiding Amanda, America Chavez, and he tells Wong, he's just like, yo, like, it's Wanda, she's fucking crazy, because Wanda's basically like, give me the girl, turn the girl over by midnight, and I'll let you all live, but I need that chick, I need to be able to travel the multiverse. He's like, why? And she explains that, like, the children she created via magic in WandaVision, they exist in another universe out there, and all she wants is to leave this universe of pain and loss behind and go be a mom and raise her kids. And he's basically like, those kids aren't real. You created them with magic. And she's like, no, they're real. I've seen them. So give me the girl so I can travel. So they return yeah. to Kamertage and they kind of try, and they're basically like, dude, you went to this chick for help, and now and you told her exactly where we are and like where the girl is. And like, man, shitty. Doctor Strange. Um, so they kind of prepare this defense, and she shows up. She's like, I've been trying to be chill, but now it's on. She starts doing fireball shit, and then she whispers in the ear of, like, one of the defenders, and the whole spell cracks. How does she whisper in his ear? I never understood that. She, I guess she just has some, like, you know... She can do it from a distance? Cause yeah, I guess she, she can do, like, some kind of... Mini- she can get inside the mind of people, like, Charles Xavier style, and Yeah, but it, it's... Yeah, and maybe I'm maybe I'm being too literal, but in the when they first introduced Wanda in Age of Ultron, I believe, or one of the movies around that, yeah, it's Age of Ultron. It shows Wanda a few times walk up behind Tony Stark and then whisper the whisper. And so part of me is like, as a writer, sometimes you get locked into these um, physical circumstances of where the characters are located, and you're kind of like, how do I get them out of this? And Maybe they got him in this physical circumstance where Wanda's outside this force field and they're just kind of like, eh, I guess you can manipulate people from like 100 yards away, which if that's the case, opens up a whole host of questions about, which again is one of my complaints about this film is they start to give Wanda more and more power and she uses it selectively. Like at one part, she's blowing people's heads up from a distance. Another part, she's like chasing them down a hallway and can't seem to reach them and stuff. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Why didn't she just whisper in America's ear and be like, right come here <laughs> yeah yeah come through yeah, yeah. so that's exactly. that was all very strange but she smokes all these sorcerers in the kind of climactic moment uh, america's powers activate and her and dr strange are thrown through a whole bunch of multiverse universes which i thought this was probably the coolest visual of the whole movie where they were like just falling through layer after layer of different universes and they went through the universe they're all paint which I thought was like really yeah. sick looking. And they land yeah, in what we learn is uh, Earth 838, which is like a close approximation to Earth, but like slightly different. Cooler for the most part. Most like kind of utopian, yeah, but also di- dystopian. U- like u- they got Ultron on their team. He's like on the squad. They, you know, he's doing cool shit. Uh, they're much more organized. And so they go to the Doctor Strange crib in this world and. Uh, our old friendo, Carl Mo- Mordo, you know, Strange's old rival, is Earth's Sorcerer Supreme. And they're like, hey, like, here's what's going on. Like, we're really freaking out about this. And meanwhile, Wanda is using the Darkhold to do something called Dreamwalking, which is like a very evil spell where you in like kind of possess your equivalent self in another universe and can like move them around so she's taken over the wanda in 838 who has the kids and stuff and she's gonna try to capture america using that body i was gonna insert that this five minute stretch of them getting to 838 and then meeting with mordo or carl mordo carl mordo carl mordo is is probably the weakest five minutes of this film's writing and i i i heard that there was extensive reshoots in this film and i i wonder if this is if this is part of the reshoots or if this is something that the screenwriter michael waldron wanted or or what because it was incredibly poorly done i think you have so they reach the the universe they go out of their way to have the the dialogue with america chavez where she's explaining to strange the the kind of typical differences you'll see in the universes which i thought was needed you have a cool scene where they run into Bruce Campbell of Night of the Living Dead fame, who's been in, who served as a number of cameos in different Sam Raimi films, and he has that scene where he's serving the pizza balls, and then Doctor Strange puts the spell on him, where he's he has to attack himself, which is a callback to Night yeah. of the Living Dead. There's a scene, yeah. So I thought that was really cool. That was fun. Um, and then is one of the worst scenes that I have seen in a Marvel film. It's just like the most amateur screenwriting ever. They happen upon this store that shows your memories, but it shows them to the public, and it only shows your worst memories. Also for for free. free. Yeah, (laughs) It's like, there's so many bad things about this. It's just spoon-feeding the audience, like, 
do you understand the character's skeletons now? Do you understand yeah. what they have to learn and grow from? And it's so it shows Doctor Strange and a, a really touching scene that he has with with Rachel McAdams' character and just kind of showing Doctor Strange's reaction and how he still has feelings for her. And then it shows the only bit of background that we get for America Chavez the whole movie, which is that she's from a different planet, that she accidentally used her powers and made her two mothers fly away and she'll and then dr strange is like hey maybe you'll find them someday and then after that we never get any background in america chavez she remains the MacGuffin for the whole film i just thought that was like that was an incredibly weak attempt to get any sort of background for america chavez instead of building her up as an actual character we just get a literally a 20 second snippet of a pivotal event in her life and then the rest of it is up for guessing and so i thought that was horrible the final thing i wanted to say was when carl mordo is explaining the dreamwalking this was one of the biggest issues that i had with the whole film because carl mordo very clearly states that dreamwalking when somebody does dreamwalking you don't know if they're going to come to you as friend or foe and he goes on this whole monologue about how you just don't know who they're going to approach you as when they dreamwalk and it plays this kind of solemn music, and it kind of implies that Carl Mordo is the guy that maybe Wanda came in as. But then later in the film, America Chavez, when Doctor Strange is about to try to dreamwalk, is like, you can't do that unless there's a version of you in that universe. Yeah. And so they come, like, it's 100% a plot hole, is how they, to try to create more tension, they state that, Anybody dreamwalking can jump into anybody's body, but then later in the film, they state that you have to jump into the body that is the version of you in that. In the that only universe. reason so, that would make sense, I guess, is that like Scarlet Witch in this movie is absurdly powerful, like more powerful than anyone we encounter, including Charles Xavier. Which debatable, Charles Xavier is like yeah. absurdly powerful in the in the Marvel universe, and so I guess like if you're gonna pick someone to to use as your weapon from afar, like an equivalent to you would be a good choice but yeah it it adds complexity and steps <laughs> to a plan that could have been done much easier um, well i'm and, I, and i'm not saying it's a plot hole that wanda invaded wanda maximoff's body i'm saying it's a plot hole that the writers tried to that they, they incorrectly explained right, right 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 how the walking would work as a way to get you to think oh crap did wanda invade carl mordo's body because that's what they right. were implying in that whole scene because of what happens next, so I'll let you go ahead and continue. Right, so, yeah, they're drinking tea with Carl Mordo. They're basically like, yo, like, she's going to dreamwalk in here, try to steal this chick. We need to find the Book of Ashanti, uh, which is a magic, literally the ultimate deus ex machina. Like, it's a book that gives you whatever you need to beat whoever you're trying to beat. It's just a, yeah. a god mode cheat code. Whatever you are doing, it will give you what you need to accomplish it. But, and not even like, it's not like if you need to staple two pieces of paper together, it'll give you a stapler. It'll just give you the power to accomplish whatever you're doing. So it's like, yeah, like if you need to beat a guy, it'll just give you enough power to beat him. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about a, me- a magic system where it's like, oh crap, the bad guy learned how to control fire. Well, if I go find this, I can learn how to control water, which would be super convenient, but that's a bad, so it's a bad example. But the idea of they don't even get it. They're so lazy in this. They're just like, oh yeah, if you find this, you can beat the bad guy who has another MacGuffin. This is the this is the prime MacGuffin. This is the this is the good guy MacGuffin. She has the bad guy MacGuffin. The good thing about the good guy MacGuffin is that the bad guy MacGuffin only goes to ten, and this goes to eleven. So yeah, you'll win exactly. But while they're explaining all this, uh, they're drinking tea and they they're fucked up. They start tripping balls like they just took ayahuasca and. Carl Moto kind of reveals himself to have played them and they wake up, they're in prison, this like super high tech prison. And it's revealed that he's going to meet with the Illuminati, um, which is a group in this universe consisting of Mordo, Peggy Carter, who is the first Avenger. She's kind of like Captain America, but a British version, Black Bolt, uh, Maria Rombo, who is um, their version of Captain Marvel, Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic and Charles Xavier. I thought the intros for the characters were tight. I liked how Reed Richards teleported in. They were like, Reed Richards, the smartest man in the world. And he teleports in and he's like, God, hello. You know what I mean? I thought it was tight. What an ultimate flex is that you, because you know that this dude had the meeting on the docket. Like he yeah. knew that Dr. Strange was waiting for him. And this dude she was probably 12 feet away from this chair. And he decided to beam in anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> just Gosh, at work, I need people to like text me when, okay, you can join the Zoom call now after somebody has said, 
and here is Sam, the smartest program manager alive. And then I just like <laughs> show up. That's what I need. Hello, Jeff. <laughs> Greetings. <laughs> so, and they basically explain that in their universe, their Doctor Strange, uh, in, in, in an attempt to defeat Thanos, he got a hold of the Darkhold, became wildly corrupt, started doing wild shit. It triggered an incursion, which is where two universes, like the multiverse, starts to collapse. Two universes impact one another. It destroys either one of or both universes. So they got the Book of Vashanti. They defeated Thanos, and they killed their Doctor Strange because he had been corrupted by the Darkhold, and they didn't want him to to cause any more harm. So Yeah, Black Bolt whispered at him super hard. Yeah, he said, I'm sorry, and killed him, which is hard. Super, super dope, dupe execution. Is um, that what Young Gun is getting held for? I think so. I think so. So Mordo is, they're all of the opinion that uh, the 616 Strange, basically he has the exact same plan, weirdly. He has like an identical plan to what their Doctor Strange did, which is like, get a hold of this shit, cause an incursion. <laughs> like, However, Maximov at this point has dreamwalked into obviously the, the her version of herself in the 838 universe. And she shows up at this during this meeting. Doctor Strange is like, "Look, man, like you got, we all gotta go. Like this chick's gonna kill everybody." And they're like, "Oh, bro, we we'll handle this little witch, all right? Not a big deal." So they go out there, they get waxed. Like Reed Richards oh, gets yeah. immediately turned into like balloons. Like he just gets like shredded like, through a paper shredder. <laughs> no. uh, okay, first of all, to me, I love this because I I heard nothing but from like the Marvel fans of just. They were so excited to see, oh, is Tom Cruise going to show up as Iron Man? Oh, maybe Jim from The Office is going to show up as Reed Richards. They were so pumped for all these cameos. And then for Sam Raimi to just be like, nah, fuck y'all. And just yeah. kill them immediately. I wish the, the writers of Game of Thrones need to watch this and be like, this is how you subvert expectations. You set it up properly, and then you just murk them. And and here's the thing. is like This, to me, is when Sam Raimi... I mean, the whole movie I thought was very Raimi-esque with the Dutch angles, the screaming yep. women, the, the jump scares. But this is when it started becoming like a horror film, which had been promised. This is going to be like a Marvel horror film. And gosh, it was so cool. It was like it was like the movie Carrie. She just came in covered in blood and just like went after these guys. And to start off, like the, the death with Black... Or, that was, I was Black just going to say, that was my favorite one. Because they were like, he could kill you with a whisper from his mouth. Or one word from his mouth. And she goes, what mouth? And suddenly he looks up, he has no mouth. He says something like inside and his brain he explodes. Panics, yeah. Yeah. It was just so fucking cool. rad. So she proceeds to just wipe the floor with all of them. Captain Marvel puts up like kind of a fight because Captain Marvel's obviously absurdly powerful too, but also dead. Uh, she cuts Captain Peggy Carter in half with the shield. Um, Which again, would have never happened in another Marvel film. Yeah. Like this was truly Sam Raimi violence. Like there was, again, it didn't show everything, but. In what other Marvel film does two main characters' head explode right in front For of For sure. Like, uh, and at the very end, uh, Professor X is like, hey, like I'm going to try to hold her off. like Get him out of here. Get him to the book. You know, blah, blah, blah. He's kind of like come to Doctor Strange's side on this one, even though Carl Mordo's not about it. Xavier tries to like, you know, fight her telepathically. He gets fucking waxed. And at the end, we see Doctor Strange and uh, America... Um, trying to escape from this facility with the help of alternate universe Rachel McAdams, who, you know, she's in this universe, she's like a scientist that studies the multiverse. Uh, she pledged herself to that life after the, you know, events of uh, their universe's cataclysm and at Doctor Strange's in their universe's funeral. Um, and so they're like, yeah, we need to, you know, we're, we're going to try to find the Book of Ashanti. We know where it is. It's in, the, it's stored here. Uh, and we'll use that to defeat her. How convenient. Meanwhile, back on normal Earth, 838 Earth, or not 838, 616 Earth, one of the last, like, barely alive sorcerers of Kaimertaj stabs the Darkhold with a knife and destroys it. And so this forces yeah. <laughs> Scarlet Witch to go on, like, a mini side quest where she's going to go up this super evil mountain where the Darkhold was written. Uh, all the spells that are in the Darkhold, that was just a copy. They're carved into the walls. Um, she makes Wong take her up there. They go up it's there. Like, okay, we're done. We're done with this this setting. We've got to yeah. go to a more badass setting. They, they and go up it, there. Tries and to it's... give this like character death of this of the sorcerer that like sacrificed her life, and it's like she had one line before this. Yeah, 
it's 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 kind of like Wanda's kids, where they try to make you care about them. But I just met them, and they had like two lines. So those I don't were some care. bad. I, I'm gonna say it. Those were bad kid actors. Yeah. They did not do a good job. Like the thing where they sang for ice cream. I was like, what the fuck is this, dude? Like this is not how. Have you ever sang for ice cream? No. Kids don't sing. I mean, I, you have to sing it with like tears in your eyes, like begging for your father to give you a little bit of his ice cream. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So they do go up this mountain, and it's they think they're gonna have to like fight these like demonic guardians of the mountain, but then they all bow down to her, and it turns out like this she was like the prophesied you know queen of evil that was going to which sure whatever at that destroy point. the world. Not super uh, detailed. Should, there's a statue of her up there. That's kind of what we get. So she obviously has access to the spells again. She dream walks back over to there, and she's pursuing them through all this stuff through the Illuminati headquarters. They go down to the basement. There's a vault. They open the vault. It leads to the space between universes and the Book of Ashanti. So they they grab that shit. They're like, cool. We're about to do this shit. Unfortunately, Maximoff shows up, destroys the Book of Ashanti, like, almost immediately. And they're... Just showing that it's, it's still a MacGuffin. Like, yeah, just... It's the yeah. proof that it's a MacGuffin. She, but, so she destroys that, and she then takes over Chavez's mind and uses her powers to throw strange and alternate uh, universe racial McAdams through a portal into a destroyed universe. So a a universe that had an incursion, it's like all fucked up and like gravity's all wonky. And they decide that there's, you know, the only way they can get out of here and help Chavez, who's who now in uh, the real world, you know, has gone back to earth 616 and is like, they're preparing this or Scarlet, Witch is preparing like a sacrificial ritual to like take her power, which again, up until this point, when we've seen that threatened, it was like a 10-second process. Like, you point your hand at her and suck the power out, and that's it. Now it's going to be like a three-hour ritual with her laying on this fucking altar, and, like, it gives the heroes plenty of time to, like, counteract this plan that otherwise doesn't seem necessary. But, exactly. hey. So they, in uh, this destroyed universe, they seek out uh, that universe's Doctor Strange, and they find him... And he's got the dark hold. He's super fucking evil. His powers are purple. That's how you know he's bad. Uh, <laughs> and Doctor, him and Doctor Strange have some like witty banter about like, oh, you suck at girl stuff. It's like, yeah, you do too, but like more because you destroyed the universe and you're lame. Uh, they have a big fight. A lot, lot of banter in this film about just like about ideology. It was just for there was sure. a lot of dialogue that was spent of just like three minutes of characters going back and forth about. It was very much like a Dragon Ball Z thing. Where just it definitely was not very shut the Dragon fuck Ball Z esque. Yeah. Um, and so now, Doctor our Doctor Strange has the Dark Hold, and he's gonna still go forward with his plan that has been disastrous the whole time. He's gonna dreamwalk into their universe, the six one six universe, and save America. Now, the issue that you highlighted earlier is that now we're told you can only dreamwalk into a version of you in that universe. Fortunately, there was that dead strange from the very beginning of the movie that they buried on a rooftop in Brooklyn. He inhabits that zombie body and then fights off, like, I guess, like a horde of, like, damned souls that he turns into a cloak, yeah. which is kind of kind of cool. It was cool looking. So he goes to the mountain, the evil mountain, and starts, like, trying to, to fight everybody, but it's just not really enough. Maximoff uh, is just about to start, like, killing everyone. She's about to choke America to death. And America uses her powers to teleport them to Earth eight three eight, and Billy and Tommy, her alternate self children, are there, and they see Scarlet Witch in her Scarlet Witch form, like about to murder a child, and they're clearly very terrified. And she's like, "Oh, you know, no, I would, I would never do that." And they're like, "Who the fuck are you, lady? Like, <laughs> you're terrifying. Yeah. You kind of look like our mom, but you're a murderer." And this, like, elicits an emotional reaction from Scarlet Witch, and she abandons this entire quest, uh, decides to allow them to have their real mother, and she goes back to 616 and destroys not only the Darkhold, but all the Darkholds in every universe, and brings down the mountain. She's corrupted beyond all reason until she's not when it's convenient, is how it felt. It's just... Cool. Well, somebody finally got to, to her, I guess. Yeah, I so she, and in, in the process of this, she kills herself. So Chavez uh, then returns everyone to their respective universe, like Rachel McAdams from 838 goes back to that. R. Strange comes back to 616, and they're rebuilding Comertage. 
Uh, she's now in training at Kamertaz to become a sorcerer. In the kind of last moment, what we see is that Strange didn't like leave this thing totally un- unscathed. He's developed the third eye in the middle of his forehead that evil Doctor Strange had. And then the very last thing we see is the mid mid credit scene. Uh, Strange is walking down the street and he's approached by a like armored sorceress who's like, hey, your actions have triggered an incursion and you're going to help me fix it. And he's like, bet. And then they jump into a portal leading to the dark dimension. And that is yeah. the end of this movie. So all in all, like, I guess there's a lot of really cool scenes in this movie and pieces that I liked. It's just kind of ham fisted a little bit. And there are, yeah, they clearly like had a bunch of stuff they wanted to do and couldn't totally figure out how to connect all of it. And so they used some like band-aids and chewing gum to like stick some things together uh, and to move the plot along in some places. But overall, like it's fine. Uh, I, I had a good time watching it and I like Dr. Strange. So it was cool. I think at, at its best, this movie, the, the, the scene that re- that best speaks to what this movie is like is the scene where the two Dr. Stranges are fighting using music that was a weird choice, dude. See, I I was all for it. I was no, no. I really liked it. It was just strange. I was just like, I don't understand where this comes from. I mean, it looks tight, and it's a very cool like audio experience to go along with the visuals. I was just like, is this a established ability that they can use sheet music to like create sound based attacks? Or <laughs> I don't know. It was cool that's though. A, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. It's exactly what I was gonna point out. Is that it was. At its best, this movie is beautiful and has really cool action and has great music score. I thought all the fighting scenes yeah, had great agreed. music to it. But the magic and the plot elements they're using to create that magic were never established or were established very, very incoherently in a very weak manner. So I thought that scene encapsulated the best of it. As we talk, talked about earlier, the scene where they go by the memory store is the worst of this film, where throw, they try to throw you a bone poorly and they don't establish things very well and the movie ends up being a bit of a mess as a result. Um, so there was about halfway through this film where I thought, man, this has a chance to be one of the worst Marvel films I've ever seen. After the memory store stuff and they just make some world-building errors and, and stuff and they don't set things very well. I was like, man, this is kind of a weak film. But about the time when Doctor Strange made zombie Doctor Strange and then made the wings out of demons, I was like, okay, this movie is still an incoherent mess, but it's fun as hell. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying watching it, and the action is really cool. As you pointed out, Doctor Strange has some of the most aesthetically pleasing action because of the magic and the way that they've constructed that. Um, but it is a total mess of a film. Um Another thing that I wanted to point out that we kind of glossed over when it comes to Wanda, and maybe you can answer this for me, is why didn't she just ask? Why didn't she just walk up to America Chavez and say, hey, you know what? Um, I saw a vision of my children. I have two children, allegedly somewhere out there, and there's multiple universes, and I would love to go find one where my children exist, but maybe I don't exist, or I can coexist. They, they do address that. Um Strange asks her that, and she says it's because what if one of them gets sick or dies in an accident? She wants the ability to permanently go – she wants a perfect life. So she wants the ability to always, at whim, jump into a different universe where some given event did not occur. Okay, why don't she just ends. go ask again? Or why doesn't she go use – like, because they've established there's, there's they can go through time, like like Captain Rogers. Well, to go back in time. keep in mind, there's only one America Chavez, and so, you know, let's say she goes to – she finds her she goes to i mean it could be a real big hassle to find this chick every time you know what i mean sure but yeah yeah certainly certainly it's a extreme decision to be like well gotta murder this chick like yeah and and so yeah i mean i i get it maybe from that's like, the dark hold right maybe the dark hold is just like hey you don't need to ask you're more powerful take what's rightfully yours she yeah, need this shit and, the, you do. and this goes back to if, if people might be listening to what I'm saying, I'm, I'm being so hard on the character development of Wanda and be like, you know, you're being hard on the character development of Wanda. But my counter to that is Marvel has gone out of their way to take pride in the continuity between the stories. And they're always leaving these Easter eggs. They've been hinting at this universe being called 616. Like they hinted at it in Loki. They hinted at it in Spider-Man. And so I am going to be hard on them when they 
try to connect these worlds and they and they objectively don't do it because they have they have put themselves out there and saying that they do do that and so yeah i'm going to call them out when they don't think about things um and they didn't think about wanda i mean i again the corruption thing wasn't set up well and even when she did become corrupted she became very nonsensical in her as as well as dr strange their their decision making was poor in this film both of them um and it's just it's frustrating um but again it's shot incredibly the music is great the action is great america chavez i want to be one of those fans that says like man i'm excited to see what they do with her which is kind of like the the happy-go-lucky thing to say but i can't say that i am i mean her powers are cool but she didn't act very well and her storyline is not fleshed out at all so i i can't say that i'm happy to see where they go with her because i have no idea what to think about her like so yeah it doesn't doesn't strike me that like she has any desire to be like a superhero you know what i mean it seems like she kind of just wants to like maybe find her moms at most and yeah be kind of chill eat pizza balls for free yeah like why did she agree to become a sorcerer i'd just be like no let me live i want to get out of here well you know like uh on 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 gp like if you ask me to be a sorcerer i'm doing that shit that sounds tight that's true that's true but yeah, this movie is a total mess, but I the more that I let myself not think about it as a as a writer and I just watch it as just I turned off my brain and was like I'm just going to enjoy what this film is. I I did enjoy it from that perspective, but it's a Sam Raimi mess, right? On. right? Where would you uh what would you rate rate this movie? I would say this is from a writing perspective, I like I said I'm going to give it two different ratings. From a writing perspective, I'm going to put this at a 4. Um America Chavez is one of the most critical elements of this film. We don't understand why she's Latina. <laughs> we don't understand why her name is America. We don't understand why there's only one of her. We don't know anything about what her wants and needs are other than the fact that she lost her parents. But we don't even know if that's what she really cares about because we, we know nothing about her. We don't know anything about this woman. All we know is that she has a cool power and everybody's after her. Very much rem- it reminds me of our favorite film of all time, Bright, where there's this character that everybody wants but nobody knows why they want them or why they're important or what they want right like what does this character want um i thought that the inconsistency with the dream walking created just a total mess of a plot line the inconsistency of wanda's powers which we touched on of her you know in some moments snapping her fingers and blowing people's heads off to then having the kind of like carrie-esque chase scene where she's covered in blood and stumbling down the hallway she's only 10 feet behind people but can't reach them Again, those scenes are both cool, but they can't be used to characterize the same person five minutes apart, right? That that really drove yeah. me nuts. Wanda's corruption was, from a, again, from a writing perspective, was not at all fleshed out. I thought it was very poorly done. It does not hold up to any other corruption pl- plot lines that have done but well in the past. And then I still think that Wanda's decision, even though she's been corrupted, her decision to not just ask for help, to not maybe just use time travel and go back and try to save vision and save her children like i I don't understand why she didn't do any of that again another thing is somebody pointed out is it would have been so much more compelling if she was trying to save vision because i don't care about her kids that sounds mean but i mean we just got introduced to the fact that she cares about her kids if you watch wandavision you know that her kids don't exist technically and so it would make a lot more sense from the audience perspective as to if she was chasing after vision because Nobody cared about Vision and her's re- marriage or romance in Infinity War and things like that when they tried to make you care. This would have been a good opportunity to kind of close the book on that. And they didn't They didn't take that opportunity. So I thought... And we didn't even really get into the dialogue. The dialogue was super campy. There was the, there was the line where she was like, or I'm not a monster, I'm a mother. <laughs> and just so many bad bits of dialogue. Too, way too much exposition between characters with opposite ideologies. It was... It was a mess. This movie was a mess from a writing perspective. But again, as from a from a movie perspective, and from a Marvel movie perspective, I thought it was closer to a... I don't want to give it a 7, because I give everything a 7. I would say it was closer to like a... a almost like an 8, just because it was so... It was crazy fun. It was Sam Raimi, the, the all the crazy Dutch angles and horror elements and the bloody deaths and again all i they he truly did correctly subvert expectations with the death of the illuminati the music was fantastic elizabeth i thought elizabeth olsen in particular was did a great job acting so i it's funny all of my complaints are on the writing all of my praises are on the directing and 
the cinematography and the music and stuff. So uh, it if you don't think about it too much, man, it's, it's a decent movie. But if you think about it at all, which Marvel takes pride in you being able to t- think about them, uh, it's it doesn't hold up that much. So Yeah, that's all fair. Um, I think... For me, Marvel movies pretty much fall into one of three categories. Top-tier Marvel movies, like your Endgames, your Iron Mans. There's the second tier of Marvel movies, uh, which are like sevens. And then there's like the Legend of Ten Rings. Those are like sixes. This is a this is a, in the middle tier to me. Uh, it's not so disastrous that I'd never watch it again. And it's, it's not good enough to where I'm like, oh, that's one of the ten best Marvel movies or five best Marvel movies. So... Yeah, I think I would I would echo your sentiments, and, and like I said, I think there's some really cool audio and visual components to the story, but narrative and characterization that these movies ultimately rely on in a lot of ways is pretty lacking here. So I'm going to give it uh, overall. I'm going to give it like you know a C minus, like a seven, and that seems cool because with these movies, man, like they're pumping these out for like 200 million and they're making 500 million on opening weekend. So they don't really care. <laughs> like they don't care. I saw that audience rated this or critics and audiences kind of had this between like 6.8 and seven, 75% depending on where you're looking. And I think that's, yeah, that's pretty seems accurate. Totally fair. It's, it's a yeah. fun summer flick, but again, I said this after I watched Eternals is Marvel is putting themselves in the situation where it's introducing all these really powerful characters that can travel through space and time in different dimensions. And they're not going to be able to hold up all these different strings. And you're seeing it collapse. There was some plot holes in No Way Home. There are very obvious plot holes in this. And I think that they're going to have to continue to answer those questions as long as they keep making these films. Yeah, uh, the way that the comic books dealt with this exact problem is they killed everyone except for, like, one universe. (laughs) They had, like, a massive event where everyone except for 616 died. And so that regrounded the series. Also, like, you just deal with the—and they're dealing with this, too. The issue of power scaling is very real. Like, the the beginning of Marvel, like, Iron Man being able to fly and take on a tank was incredibly impressive— now we're dealing with like no army on earth could fight Scarlet Witch in this movie. Like yeah. she could defeat a nuclear armed force with her power in this movie. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where they go because you, you start to limit the number of threats that are capable of like, you know, like dude, like homeboy with the whips, you know, from Iron Man two or three, <laughs> like that dude is just getting fucking, he's not even making it like out of the grandstand at this point. He would just get turned into mush. So yeah, they're going to have to like bring in some real crazy level threats to, you know, dark side, like Galactus, know, yeah. that level of, of threat. Yeah. Galactus is really kind of the only place to go from here. Cause otherwise it, you just, you've put yourself in a position where everyone's just too strong to really to really be handled by to not just be handled easily by the characters that you've created. So yeah. We'll see where they go with it. You know, I, I feel like it has to come to an end at some point and maybe they'll allow it to be, but ugh, Disney's never gonna be not addicted to that sweet, sweet Marvel revenue. So Yeah. A few thoughts on that. First of all, um they are starting to run into another problem related to power scaling and all that. And and they I've noticed that they adjust they they addressed this in Spider Man, they addressed it in Shang Chi, and they had to address it in this film as well, which is the question of here's an existential threat. And then at some point they have to ask, Well, why don't you call the Avengers? Why don't you call your friends? Yeah. And they always have an incredibly weak excuse to not be like I call it the suicide squad conundrum. Like why would these characters be handling this when X character exists? Yeah, this sorceress, bro, she's super powerful. She's going to destroy the city. Superman's on PTO, so we're sending Bullseye to handle this. Yeah, <laughs> it's, so they, they, they do that a lot. Like I, Again, it's it's difficult. You don't want to attach too much real-world-ism into this, but there is a part of me that's like, man, at a certain point, do what... you know? How in the world is it possible that... Uh, Nick Fury has a pager where he can contact throughout the galaxy Captain Marvel and hit a button and then Captain Marvel knows that she needs to come back to planet Earth. How are there not like at this point 15 heroes like Thor and obviously like some of the characters in this film and whatever like that they wouldn't all just like cohort like just come down to New York and be like, okay, what's the problem? Like, let's figure this out. And then as you kind of pointed out, like I, I, I'd be interested to see how, how much they can hold up the cash cow. I don't know if, I mean... Right now, this movie had a $200 million budget, and it's already earned $500 million at the box office. So um, 
in five not, days. It's so. not, yeah, it's not that big of a deal, but at a certain point, we're going to run out of recognizable superheroes. We're going to have, you know, because I love Blade. I'm going to be excited to see that, but we start to introduce some of these, I would even see like C tier superheroes as far as like how, how aware the public is of them. It'll be interesting to see if they can hold it up. Cause once Spider-Man's gone, once Iron Man's gone, all them, like, do we just open up another universe and say, okay, here's a new Spider-Man. Here's a new Iron Man. Maybe they'll do that. Maybe they'll yeah. just like add a new, here's a new Thor in 15 years. And they'll just keep rebooting the same characters over and over. I was going to say, as long as they can make it, as long as you stretch out the timeline long enough to where it's like, a kid saw the first Iron Man when they were ten, and now they're thirty. You can totally get away with like yeah. some new new Iron Man. So, yeah, man, it's it's so vast now. It's crazy. Like, I I distinctly remember seeing Iron Man and like those early Marvel movies, and then being like, yeah, they're trying to make like a you know a, a whole universe out of it. And now it is like the dominant force in the cinematic world. Like Marvel movies are the Call of Duty of. You know, like they're, they are their own genre. Like yeah. <laughs> they yeah. dominate like the entire movie release schedule circles around the sun. That is the Marvel release schedule. And they're like doing these presentations that look like the iPhone release where they're like, all right, guys, here's phase 12 of the Marvel release schedule. We're going to be doing, you know, Doctor Strange three and the Hulk nine. You know what I mean, like it's so nuts. So, yeah, they've done an incredible job. Shouts out to Kevin Feige, man. How many fortunes have been made on on the backs of this Marvel movie franchise, dude? Like, all the actors are super minted. I mean, Robert Downey got points, so he is dumb loaded now. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure a couple of the other ones, uh, the early people, got that too. He's doing well. Have you, have you seen his Architectural Digest house where he lives in like a windmill? It's dope. No, I haven't. That sounds super rad. I'm gonna have to do check that out. Check it out. Well, as always, we appreciate you for listening. If you're if you're new or if you're not new, like and subscribe, give us a rating, tell two friends. We greatly appreciate it. As always, this is Novel Discourse. I'm Sam. I'm Andy. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.